Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning and open together, please, to Genesis chapter number 15. Genesis chapter 15, I've, uh, as we've studied our way through the life of Abraham, we've, we've come to mountain peaks and valleys, and uh, we come to, uh, to Genesis chapter 15, we, we find another mountain peak of, of Abraham's life. Now, Abraham was a great man, not a perfect man. He was a man that the Lord had favor upon and made a covenant with in chapter number 12 and chapter 13. But we come here this, this morning and we find a passage of Scripture that is perhaps key. All throughout the Word of God, we find these, these chapters, these verses, these passages that, that are key passages. And we find one of those here this morning. As we come to, to this Father's Day, we come and we look at Abraham, who has been called by God uh, a father of all them that believe. Well, where does all of this come from? Well, it comes from Genesis chapter number 15. Of course, if you remember, last Sunday morning, Abraham vowed a vow and he lived his life. He came to the point in his life where he was, where he was living for the Lord. Now he was, by God's grace, he was going to live and serve, uh, serve the Lord. And he met Melchizedek along the way, which is a, a Christophany, a, an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. And he gave him tithes of all. And he, and he lived his life for, for the Lord by faith. And as we come to chapter number 15, we find an interaction that Abraham, who still at this time, whose name was Abram, has with God himself. <laughs> if you're able, I invite you to stand with me this morning. We're going to read together beginning in verse number 1 of Genesis chapter number 15. The Bible says, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. <coughs> and Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, uh, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is, is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece on a, uh, one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, the, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, 
Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they have, whom they shall serve, will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. The Kenites and the, the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for thy word. And Father, this morning we ask that your word would have its way in each of our lives that our hearts would be open to the truth of thy word today as never before, that the Spirit of God would speak to our hearts, and that we would agree together with them, and that we would be changed. Father, that you would help our lives be, uh, be lived in a way that pleases thee. Father, that we would understand the great difference that you've made in the life of Abraham, and how we can live our lives for you as well, and so, Father, we pray for your guidance. We pray for your grace. We pray for your strength in this matter today. We ask that your word would be used for your glory. And, Father, if there's someone here today who is not saved, if they were to die today, they would not go to heaven. Lord, our prayer for them is that today would be the day of their salvation. Well, Father, we pray that you'd answer questions of our hearts today. Lord, that you would strengthen us and, and help us in our Christian lives. Lord, may we be here this morning looking to make decisions for you. Father, that at the invitation time, uh, we would respond to thee in an appropriate manner. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to a powerful verse. The verse is found in verse 6 of chapter Number 15, the entire verse. Note that in your Bible. It says, And he, speaking of Abram, believed in the Lord. And he, speaking of the Lord, counted it to him, Abram, for righteousness. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. You see, it doesn't matter what you vow if you don't know him. This is a, a high-water mark in the life of Abram. Do you know what this day is? It's an interesting day in the life of Abram. I believe this is the day that Abram was saved. It was a powerful day. Do you remember that day that you trusted the Lord as your Savior? Man, I remember there's an old, there's an old gospel song titled, I Remember the Day. I remember the day that the Lord saved me. All of heaven came down 
I was happy and free. Glory filled my soul. For I knew the Lord had made me whole. I remember that I shall never forget the day that the Lord saved me. Man, it, what a great day it was in Abram's life. I want you to hold your place here and look with me, if you would, in the book of Ephesians. We see here, this is a, not only a key verse in the life of Abraham, but it's a key verse in all of God's Word. Here we find the, the precedent for salvation. We find that salvation is not by works of righteousness. It has never been, nor will it ever be, by works of righteousness. It's only by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, For by grace, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we think of Abram there in, in, in Genesis chapter number 15, how the Bible says, and, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Salvation is by faith in the person of Christ, in the finished work of the Lord. And as we look here in Genesis chapter 15, we see this theme of salvation by faith, even reinforced through the New Testament as this occurrence is referenced three times. Won't you look with me, if you would please, in Romans chapter number 4. Romans chapter number 4. And I want you to mark this verse in your Bible as well. Romans chapter number 4 and verse number 3. The Bible says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Salvation, friends, is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold, you can turn now to, 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 uh, to Galatians, Galatians chapter number 3, and notice what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 6. He says, even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, will you mark that verse in your Bible? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. There's one other passage in the New Testament. It's the book of James. Would you look with me in James chapter number 2? In verse number 23, And again, mark this verse in your Bible. The Bible says, And the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Church, salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It has always been that way, and it will forever be that way. For neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's only through Christ. And as we look here, I want you to look back to the book of Romans, if you would, please. There's a, there's a profound passage there. We were already there in Romans chapter 4. But notice what the Bible says again. In Romans chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. <coughs> Excuse me. The Bible says in verse 1, Romans 4, what shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? 
For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but, but not before God. Church, salvation is not in your works. If you can earn your way to heaven, if you can merit salvation by works, you have things to glory in. But we can't. That's why Paul writes, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. It's nothing that we can do. It's all about what Christ has done for us and our faith and acceptance of that. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 3, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. You can work for it all you want. You can work for salvation all you want, but you're never going to obtain salvation by works. He goes on, he says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for, for righteousness. You know what? I'm, un, I'm ungodly. And my faith is in Jesus Christ. And now, I've received his grace. I've obtained salvation by faith in Christ. And the Bible says this in verse number 6, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh the blessedness then upon the, the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcised also? Now, we look back, if, for sake of time this morning, we'll come to this in the study of Abraham's life, but in in Genesis chapter 17, the, the covenant of circumcision was given. But circumcision was not for salvation. It was obedience that, that Abraham uh, demonstrated toward God. And it was the seal of the covenant, but that was not where salvation came. And so now we see here this reference to circumcision. In other words, is circumcision only for those who do the works, or, the, or can those who, do, who don't do the works be saved? And the answer is found right here in Scripture. He says in verse 9, For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for, for, for righteousness. Notice that statement in verse 9, that we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness was faith, not works. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So we look back in Genesis chapter 15, we find that to this point in Abram's life, the practice of circumcision was not given, yet he had faith, he believed in the Lord, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He was saved in, in Genesis chapter 15. But the Bible goes on, he says in verse number 11, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe. Would you mark that statement in your Bible? The father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision, to whom who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith 
of our father Abraham, which he had yet being uncircumcised. Would you mark that statement in verse 12? But who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. Abraham was an example, isn't he? What's he the example of? He's an example of faith. Again, hold your place and look with me if you would to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and notice verse number 8. And this is why how we know that salvation is by faith. It does not say by works, Abraham, but it says by faith. The Bible says faith, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the, of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Church, you, you and I, we must realize today that faith alone, in Christ alone, is what it takes for salvation. That's the design that God has established from Genesis all the way through. This is God's plan. And as we look to Abraham, what a great example we have of this man, isn't he? In the Bible, look again in, in Romans chapter number 4. We see the, the statement here, the, that the, the, the heritage that we have received because of this man's faith. There in verse number 11, says that he might be the father of all them that believe. The father of all them that believe. Where do you wonder we get that song that we teach our children? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. Where does all of this come from? It comes right here from this passage of Scripture. He is, our, he is a great father of faith, isn't he? Here's the question we have this morning. Are you a father of faith? What is your example? What is the heritage that you will leave? Abraham believed in the Lord and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He was a saved man. He lived his life by faith. He trusted in the promise of God. Well, what heritage will we pass along to our children? When my, when my body lays cold and lifeless in the grave, What will I be remembered for? My uncanny sense of humor. My devilish good looks. None of those. I pray that I will be remembered as Abraham was remembered. As a man of faith. As a man who believed in the Lord, it was counted unto him for righteousness. When my children look at me, I pray that they see my faith. 
and that the faith I have, the faith that I demonstrate, is worthy of following. The Bible says that he believed in the Lord and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Before we get to the heart of the message this morning, I do have a question for all of you, not only the fathers in here today and the men in here today, but everyone. Do you believe in the Lord? Have you been born again of God's Spirit? Are you saved? Have you placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? There's no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the door. He's the only access point to heaven's glory. Either you know him as Abraham knew him, or you do not. But if you are here today and you know him, you and I have a responsibility. And we see this responsibility back in Genesis chapter 15. It's a powerful, weighty, lofty responsibility. You see, as a, as a man of faith, as a man who believes in the Lord, as a saved man who's been declared righteous by our Savior, not self-righteous, my righteousness is found in Christ. But as a saved man, I, I need to teach my children to live the Christian life. I need to see, I need for them to see the, the significance of living a life that honors the Lord. Now, here in Genesis chapter 15, we found we find a, a, a mountain peak of Abram's life. In chapter 16, we find a valley. But in chapter 15, we see some decisions that, that we must make, some lessons that we learn from this man's life that will help us along life's way. I want you to write the first lesson down is that we must realize our insufficiency. As, as, a, as a father, I must teach my children of their insufficiency. Abram was a man of great insufficiency. I want you to hold your place and look back in Genesis chapter number, uh, chapter number 12. Genesis chapter 12, we find the, the initial statement here of the Abrahamic covenant or the promise that God gave to Abraham concerning a people, uh, a land, and a Savior. And may I tell you that this promise was not... And did not hinge upon Abraham's actions, but on the very faithfulness of God Himself. And the Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 13, I'm sorry, chapter 12 and verse number 1, He says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. And Make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And so God made a promise to Abraham that he was going to make him this 
given this great land, which we see the amplification of this promise here at the end of chapter 15. But with the land, he promised a people, a great, a, a great, a great family. He says that he would, uh, above the, the sand of the seashore, the stars in the sky, an innumerable people. Well, there's a problem. Abraham, or Abram, I'm sorry, was old. If you remember what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, that he and his wife were already as dead, meaning that they were beyond the years of bearing children. They, they couldn't do it. They were insufficient. I want you to look back in Genesis chapter 15 and notice even Abraham understands his inability and insufficiency. The Bible says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad he's your shield and your reward? Remember from last week, he had already he had just forfeited the reward of, uh, of Chedorlaomer. And as they had gone out and, and destroyed his army and rescued Lot, the king of Sodom was going to give him all these gifts. And he said, ah, no, I can't take them. I made a promise to the Lord, and I don't want you to say that you made me rich. And then the whole way home, Abram was kicking himself. I should have taken that. But God reviewed, comes to him. He says, listen, I'm your, I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. Don't worry about it, Abram. I've, I'm going to take care of you. I've made a promise. And then the Bible goes on to say in verse 2, And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing, notice, I go childless. You've made, you've made me a promise. And I don't have any kids. You said you're going to make my, my family great, and I don't see it. I, have, I go childless. And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. You know, we, we teach our children that they are sufficient. Don't we? But in reality, we're all insufficient. What did the Lord Jesus Christ say? Why callest thou me good? For there is none good but one who is God. You and I are insufficient. We are unable. Church, we need to come to the realization that we cannot live the Christian life without Christ. I want to teach my children to believe in the Lord, but I must at the same time teach them that they need to rely upon Him because we are insufficient. We have nothing. We can offer God nothing. Nothing good have I. And at the core, the Bible says the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you know who you are? You are your worst thought. 
what's the worst thought you've ever thunk? Or thinked? Or thought? There you go. I'll get to the proper grammar eventually. What's the worst thought you've ever had? That's who you are. And consider the great promises that, that the Lord Jesus Christ has afforded us. He says, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Well, where does this abundant life come from? It comes not from you. You cannot hack it. You cannot produce it. You cannot manipulate it. It comes solely from Christ. Look what he says in verse number four. He says, and behold, the word of the Lord came. I'm thankful when the word of the Lord comes, aren't you? You and I must treasure and cherish the word of God. Listen for God in his word. This is the only way he speaks to you. And the Bible goes on, he says, This shall not be thine error, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels, he shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. You realize that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Grace is what God gives us that we don't deserve. The opposite side of the coin is mercy. It's when God withholds from us what we do deserve. And we're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus but you and I are to live every day depending upon the grace of God. What is this grace? There's saving grace, but then there's living grace. What is this living grace? It's the ability that God gives us as we rely upon Him to do the right things. I... You know, you know, to do the right thing, it's easy to do the wrong thing, isn't it? Oh man, anybody can do the wrong thing. Anybody can cheat. Anybody can lie. Anybody can steal. Anybody can, can commit all types of immorality and crime. Anybody can get drunk. Anybody can get strung out on drugs. Anybody can do that. but it takes God's grace to do the right things. When we raise our children, we must raise them with the awareness that they are insufficient and that they need the Lord every day. Notice the second lesson that we learn from Genesis chapter 15 is simply this, that we must trust in God's provision. We must trust in God's provision. Look what he says to Abram, beginning in verse number 7. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. 
you know what God was saying? He said, Abram, man, you're nothing. You're nothing. And I think we need to get to that point in our own lives where we truly admit that we're nothing. I want you to hold your place and look to John chapter 15. Consider the words of Christ this morning in John chapter 15. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. Notice, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Church, without the Lord, you can do nothing. So then how can I do anything? Well, I trust in what he's provided. Look, look back in Genesis chapter 15. You know, we... we we must teach our children to trust in the provision of, and grace of God. He says to Abram, man, you're nothing. Uh, you, were, you were nobody. You were living in Ur of the Chaldees. And, and I called you and I brought you out and I, and I promised you this land, but it wasn't in you to possess it. It's still, and you know what? At the point that Abram's had in his life, it still wasn't in him to possess it. And his entire life, it never was. In his ability, in his strength, in his power, to possess. He just had to trust the Lord. That's where you and I often falter, don't we? What do you want? That's a great, that's a loaded question, isn't it? In your heart of hearts today, if you could have one thing, what would it be? Chances are you've spent countless years, innumerable hours pursuing that, and all of your attempts have been futile. You have no strength, no, ab no ability within you to, to lay hold upon that or to possess it. And this is what God said to Abram. Abram, this is what you want. You want a family. You want this land. You don't have it in you to do it. You were nothing without me. You were a nobody without me. But I called you and I brought you out here. Now you just trust in me. And look what he says to Abram. He tells him to take some things. And the Bible says, And he said unto, unto the Lord God, Whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Say, How do I know? How will I know? Don't you want the answers? I love having answers. I hate it when I don't have answers. People have asked me, Hey, Pastor, what's going on in the parking lot? I have no answer. It's frustrating, isn't it? When someone asks you, what's going on? I don't really have any idea. This is what they've said, but aside from that, I don't know. You know what life is? Life is to be lived by faith. Do you know that you will never know why? 
Never know. I read in a book years ago that why is the question all men ask to which no man can find the answer. And here, Abram is like, Lord, how is this going to work? I need to know. I need to know. Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But I'm thankful that God at times meets us where we are and gives us what we need to know. It's interesting here, there's not a lot of detail given, but what is given is sufficient. You and I are insufficient, but God is sufficient. We must then trust in Him. Look what He says to do. And He said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. You know what He said to do? He says, Abram, I want you to make a sacrifice. Remember, Abram built altars and called upon the name of the Lord, didn't he? Remember? So I want you to take this heifer of three years, this she-goat of three years, this ram of three years, this turtle dove and this pigeon, and I want you to, I want you to Make an offering. You know what this sacrifice was a foreshadow of? The Lord Jesus Christ. Foreshadowed the sacrifice that Christ would make. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Sometimes we're, we're Abram's, man, he's looking for a family, isn't he? He's looking for a land, isn't he? You know what God told him? Cast your eyes upon me, Abram. You want all of this, but none of that matters without me. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto thee. We're, li we're living for all these things. We should be seeking first the kingdom of God. Without Christ, none of this matters. Without Christ, it doesn't matter how many cars you can park in your driveway. Without Christ, it doesn't matter how many people sit around your table. Without Christ, it makes no difference how much money you have in your Roth IRA. Without Christ, none of it matters. We must learn to teach our children 
to trust in the provision of, of God, which is Jesus Christ. Notice the final lesson we see. Back in Genesis chapter 15, is that we must live for eternity. Something profound happens here in, in the closing verses of this chapter. The Bible says in, in verse number 10, it says, And he took him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds div uh, divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety. I like how he says this. Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, notice verse 17, and it, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. What pieces of the sacrifice? God came down and met with Abram. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thee, I'm sorry, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Abram, you just need to stop worrying about it. And just start living for me. Don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. Know of a surety. What, what does he tell Abram is going to happen to him? Of course, his family is going to go, and we'll see how Jacob goes down into Egypt, and, and Joseph, his, his son, whom his older brothers sought to kill, sold him into slavery in Egypt. God, in his providential care, provides for them. They become that great nation. And God, through Moses, delivers them, brings them back to the land of promise. Joshua and, and the conquest of Israel. But what does he say about Abram? It's found in verse 15. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Do you realize that if the Lord tarries his coming, this is all of our fates? Isn't it? What matters most? What matters most in life? What matters most in life is what matters most in verse 15. Death. What's the most important thing? Is it not knowing Christ? 
The only reason he could go to his fathers in peace was because he had just made peace with God. God made peace with him. Though Abram believed in the Lord, and it was counted him for righteousness. God didn't tell Abram that he would possess the land. but that his family would after they had been in Egypt for 400 years. <laughs> and there is still a long time from going down into Egypt. But the lesson is to live for eternity. Are you living for eternity? Are you living for the day in which you will stand before God? I fear that too often we're not. That we become so earthly minded we're of no heavenly good. We become so distracted and enamored with the things of this life pursuing lavish lifestyles and, and all of this thing, all of these things. And, and understand, we don't begrudge anybody if, if, for nice things. Everybody, everybody likes nice things, don't we? But those aren't the goal. The goal is Christ. The Bible says that he believed in the Lord. It was counted on him for righteousness. He realized his insufficiency. He trusted in God's provision. He began to live for eternity. These are the things we must teach our children. But if they're going to be taught to our children, we must live them out in our own lives. May God help us this morning to trust in him. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. In just a moment, the piano will begin to play. I invite you to stand with me this morning. In just a moment, we'll have a time of invitation. If the Lord has spoken to your heart. And you feel God pressing you, I encourage you to come and pray and spend some time with the Lord. Ask God to, to help you, help you live for Him. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking around,